the lightest of my three dresses. It used to be my favourite, but now I was ashamed it was wearing so thin. Even with Jenna's care, the lace at my elbow was greying, the black stitching on the bodice faded and dull. Checking to make sure only the sheep were watching, I stripped off my fichu, removed my bonnet, and despite Jenna's dire warnings, shook my hair free from its hold. It felt wonderful to be so unconfined. Only the faintest breeze blew. There was no sign of the storm that had lashed the cliffs the night before. It was peaceful and still. Waves lapped the rocks, and sunlight glinted on the sea, like thousands of glass shards. I shaded my eyes, scanning the horizon, skimming the water's edge for a lifeless body. Drawing closer to the tree, I began searching the ground, hoping not to find signs of a struggle. Nothing seemed untoward. There was no rope around the trunk, no bloodstains, nothing. Just a mass of muddy footprints, their indentations still damp in the shadows beneath the overhanging branches. Relieved, I edged round the tree, making my way to the place where I'd caught the rope. The shade was so dark I saw nothing at first. But as I looked closer, I saw something on the ground and caught my breath my heart beginning to race. A beautiful red rose was lying where I'd knelt the night before, and my hands began to tremble as I picked it up. Breathing in its heady fragrance, I brushed it against my face, feeling the velvet softness of the petals against my lips. The scent was intoxicating, dangerous, yet the very danger seemed exciting, sending frissons of pleasure tingling through my body. I began smiling at the audacity of the sailor. But as I held the rose, I noticed the thorns had been removed by a knife, and a vision of his dagger flashed through my mind. The sailor was a violent and desperate man, and I, Rose Han Pengeli, clever, articulate and well-educated, should know better than to be beguiled by a rose from such a man. Above me, a rustle in the leaves caught my attention, and I glanced up to the overhanging branch. I jumped in fright. Through the dappled light, I saw the dark shape of the sailor standing in the tree. He was watching me. You're quite safe. I've no dagger this time, he said, landing a few paces in front of me, his tall frame towering above me. A shaft of sunlight shone on his white shirt. It was unbuttoned at the neck and loosely tucked into his breeches. His sleeves were rolled to the elbow. He was younger than I thought, probably late twenties. Around his neck was a red scarf. His face was coarsened by the sun, his chin unshaven, a small scar visible on his forehead. His hair was black, his brows dark, his expression grim and resolute. He stood staring at me through intensely blue eyes. By way of thanking you, he said, pointing to the rose. I'm in your debt, ma'am. My name's Jim. He bowed formally, his eyes never leaving my face. Jim who? I found myself replying. I'm known only as Jim. Then you must have something to hide. I replied abruptly. His accent was local, his words softly spoken, 
but he'd startled me, and I did not like the way he was looking at me. Perhaps I'd have done better to have left you to the mob. I'm grateful you didn't. His face remained impassive, stony, his eyes lingering on my face before he looked out to sea. Thanks to you, I got back to my ship. He sounded so assured, so familiar. He'd been waiting for me, and like a fool, I'd walked straight into his trap. I didn't like to be second-guessed, and I certainly did not like to be spied on. With a sickening thud, I realised he'd have seen me throw off my fichu. Don't insult me, I snapped, covering my shoulders and replacing my bonnet. Insult you? He sounded genuinely surprised. How'd I insult you? What ship would be waiting in a lee gale?